Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for podcasters by podcasters. Podcasting Smarter is the official podcast from Podbean, featuring podcasting interviews, best practices, and helpful tips. We're here to give you the tools, resources, product updates, and news to help you get started podcasting and keep your podcast growing. Hello, hello, and welcome, everyone. Welcome back to our June live stream for Podcasting Smarter. My name is Norma Jean Belenke. I'm the head of events here at Podbean. And today we are joined by Russ Moore. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. Oh my gosh. Russ is just one of the top audience development experts within the industry. So we're going to be hearing all about how to get your podcast discovered, how to help people find your show, grow your show, and what you can do, actionable tools for brands, and hopefully for indie podcasters out there that you can do to really help you gain traction in that area. So I'm going to read our brief intro and then we'll get into it. Hello and welcome. So welcome back everyone to Podcasting Smarter and our June live event, Podcast Discoverability, Boosting Your Reach and Growing Your Audience with Russ Moore of Pacific Content as we speak about how to increase your audience and grow your podcast. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Podcasting Smarter has live stream sessions like this one with top podcasters and industry experts. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Podcasting Smarter podcast. This is the first event in our Summer of Discoverability series, where we're bringing you experts, best practices, and tips for how to grow your podcast, whether you're an independent podcaster, brand, or enterprise-level organization. Podcasting Smarter is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 640,000 podcasts. To start your podcast, head over to podbean.com today. And now we'll get started. Hi, Raz. How's it going? Hi, Norma Jean. It's wonderful. How are you? Good. So excited to be here with you today. So first of all, tell us a little bit how you got into podcasting because, you know, we're a pretty new industry. You know, 20 years ago, we weren't here. And and you're really one of the top experts in terms of audience growth and discoverability. So tell us a little bit about how you gained that expertise. Well, let's take it back almost 20 years ago then. <laughs> so I've been in audio basically since 2007. I got my start in radio, traditional radio broadcasting in a copywriting production on air sense all throughout the years. I did that for a very long time up until 2018. But in 2016, jumping around years here, my wife got an opportunity to teach overseas. So we packed up my wife, my, myself and my daughter, moved over to South Korea where I wasn't able to uh, work functionally because of visas and all of that and decided to start a podcast to keep myself in audio production uh, just while we were over there. Uh, So me and a few friends, we got into it and uh, started learning a bit of the uh, social media marketing side and, uh, you know, just specifically podcast production side, how there's a bit of a different take than Uh, in radio and building an audience of your own rather than coming into something that's already pre-existing. But it wasn't really until I came back that I came back to radio, but it came back and then everything started to take off. People started to find the podcast and started to see that this was actually something that uh, was more than just a hobby, which I believed. Uh, Everybody else kind of laughed and said, yeah, this is just a project for Russ to keep him busy. 
but saw that there was something that maybe in a year or two years, 10 years down the road that we could be doing something that's more involved and more full time. Flash forward back to a year and a half ago is when I uh, got a position, my first podcast specific position with Pacific content. In that time, I uh, started working with the Fable and Folly Network, but was brought on with Pacific content as their paid media specialist. I had an, a, a unique expertise in what it was to advertise from the creator independent side, what it was to you know, be the person receiving the order to purchase um, this advertising and how that was uh, dealt with. And uh, since then, have uh, kind of made my way up uh, through. This is a bit fast forwardy, but I'm sure we'll get into more uh, to where I am now as the audience development and paid media lead uh, with Pacific Content, as well as uh, the ch chief operating officer over at uh, Fable and Folly as well. Absolutely. So we were talking about this before we went live today. And Obviously, if you have any questions for Russ, just pop them here in the chat and we'll make sure that they get answered. But um, it's something where, you know, you're really at the intersection of, you know, what brands are doing and the buying side and what independent podcasters are doing and the inventory side. So it's a really kind of fun, exciting place to be in that regard. Um, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about brands, but I'm hoping we can squeeze in some indie podcaster tips as well. So, um, you know, Pacific Content is really known for creating incredible branded podcasts and that audio storytelling is really a hallmark of of the work that you guys do. So in terms of boosting a brand's podcast, you know, after all that work is done, right? <laughs> after, the, after the market research is done and the client's really happy with the podcast and, you know, you're looking at, okay, pre-launch or you're right at the launch, what are some of the most effective strategies for boosting a brand's podcast discoverability? Um, it all starts in that market research in that initial conversation that we have with the client it's a couple pieces fold it's who is the podcast for so who is the uh, who is the brand trying to reach um, with this podcast some brands come back and say well everybody who knows what a podcast is and then there's a, a realistic conversation of uh, <laughs> But wait, <laughs> you can't have everybody. Not everybody's going to want to uh, want to come listen to your podcast or need to come listen to your podcast. Because the se second question is, is like, what is the job of this podcast for you? If you were hiring this podcast as a person, what is their goal in your organization or on your marketing team? Or uh, what is the ultimate outcome? Most of the time, what we encourage, which podcast does really well, is time spent with brand. There's a lot of education that we do to make sure that podcast is known as like a top of the funnel position. It isn't necessarily the sales driver, but it's time spent with your brand and hopefully throughout that progress of what whatever this um, show becomes there's something valuable in it and uh, the brand recognition that comes along with it helps them along the way. So that doesn't exactly answer the question that you asked, but we'll get there. Um, so finding where the podcast can be discovered, we look at several different channels, um, the owned, internal, earned, and then paid um, after that. So internal being one of the easiest who at your company can listen to your podcast and who at the company is already listening to your podcast if it's something that's existing. If the answer is not many people or just the boss or just the people who created it, find ways to get your employees to listen to your show. They might not be the target audience for your show, 
But if they can listen to it, know it's a tool in the toolbox that they have for your company, they can yeah. speak about it to clients, uh, to friends, to family, and it, you get that word of mouth aspect from that. Your your owned channels, so your email, your blog post, your website, what are different ways, uh, noting that every business is different and every brand is different and red tape and all that, what are the ways that you can effectively utilize your superpower? What do you have that nobody else has that you can leverage? In, like, in terms of like Amazon, as an example, they send out a whole bunch of boxes. So when they do a big prime push, they slap a big picture of it on the box. So everybody gets to see it. What kind of superpower do you have there? And then your earned channels after that, social media, how are you engaging with people listening to your audience? Or how are you engaging people in your regular marketing way that you can inform them of the podcast and take content out of that and relate it to things that are happening, not just in the show or with your company, but topically within events that happen? Hopefully, you're creating something that is not so so niche or so specific that it only makes sense to release like a daily news show. You're making something that's a little more evergreen, like finance or business or tech or whatever business you're in, something that can right. be come back to as a reference point as a, that you can put out um, multiple times a year for an episode and share it with people again and again and again, hopefully finding new audience and new ears every time you go. And then broadly, the other channel is paid. Who don't you have access to? But do you want access to? Going back to who is the show for? Looking at similar podcasts in the space, similar yeah. ones that you admire, or maybe you've uh, made re direct relations to of how you want your show to sound. Likely, if you've made those connections, we can look at a, at a neighborhood of those shows and start to target, well, that's where our target, our core audience lives. Let's go try and find them with a paid budget. Um, there are people outside of your sphere who you can start to bring in and introduce to your show. Okay. <laughs> that was a very detailed answer. And, you know, obviously today we're, we're mostly focusing on brands, but it is something where uh, as an independent podcaster, these are also tips that you're going to be able to actionably implement for your podcast, right? And yeah. I'm sure you see this on the, on the indie side as well, right? It's telling everybody in your network, all your friends and family, hey, I have a podcast because even if it's not their niche, right? Maybe it's a podcast on, um, I don't know, what comes to mind is like Minecraft, right? Maybe it's a sure. Minecraft podcast. Those exist. They're really great. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe all your friends and family don't play Minecraft, but then if anybody they know does, they'll think of your show and maybe they'll send the link. So that yeah. word of mouth is so important. So just starting there, you know, there's always a place to start. And, and I want to talk a little bit about paid on the discoverability as well. Um, and we talk about this all the time at Podbean about how, you know, social media and earned media is really important. Mm -hmm. But it's also one of those things where everybody on Facebook, everybody on Twitter isn't necessarily listening to podcasts. They're not as obsessed as we are, Russ. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's really interesting because I think when we're talking about earned media, it's something where everybody on Facebook, everybody on Twitter, they're not necessarily listening to podcasts. And it can be something where, you know, when, when you're looking at growing your show, a lot of podcast listeners are already listening to podcasts. So how do you get on those podcasts? How do you build those relationships? And you... It's a, you know, for brands, of course, budget is super important and we want to talk about that. But also on the indie side, make friends. Right? Like, yeah. That's such a big aspect, right? If there's other people within your podcast niche, whether it's, 
you know, an interview show or a history podcast or whatever your topic is, reach out to other podcasts that you like, that you admire within the space. Tell them about your show. If it's an interview show, ask to do swaps, um, you know, have them on your show. Ask if you can be on their show. It can never hurt to ask, honestly. No, that's it. That's one of, you know, from, from all sides, like from, from sides. a paid or a not, or, or not, like you can do the same thing. Like paid is easy. Cause you're saying, here's, here's money. Here's money. Yeah. <laughs> let me be on your podcast or let you, you know, endorse my podcast. Yeah. Um, from, from the trade side, from the promo swap side, you can do the same functionally, the same thing. Yeah. Both sides are benefiting in it, though. So you you know you find a show with, that the audience is is in line with what you think your audience should be. You get a host read over there; they get a host read on yours. It stays in an episode or it runs digitally. However, um, but yeah, you can still find that audience on a on a smaller or or no budget compared to a, a larger brand spend. Yeah, exactly. And just really quickly, like you were saying, you can do interview swaps, you can do ad swaps, which is what you kind of were just referring to. And if there's podcasts that are bigger than you, maybe they get twice or three times or five yeah. times the downloads, you can say, hey, I'll play five of your ads for every one of mine that you play. You know, we've definitely heard podcasters who've grown their show that way. So yeah. on the indie side, that's a really important consideration. You can always pay for ad space as well. Um, and at Podbean, we have the ads marketplace. So you can, yeah. you know, go on, see which podcasts, there's like 35,000 podcasts on the ads marketplace. So it's great. Yeah. But um, on the brand side, there's some really cool things that you can do also when you have bigger budgets. So I want to also yeah. speak about that as well. So let's get into it. Um, first of all, I want to hear from you a little bit about in-app promo. Um, mm -hmm. We have the public app here at Podbean. So within the Podbean app, which is you know a public directory where people can listen. And for everybody out there listening, when we say directory, that's the app where people are listening to your podcast. Yeah. Um, and there's so many different directories, right? It's it's going to be Apple Music, or sorry, it's going to be Apple Podcasts. It's going to be maybe Spotify. It's going to be Podbean, the listening app. It's going to be, um, there's so many just different apps out there, right? And so I think it's something where a lot of these apps are independent, our app's independent, and you can reach out for placement. So let's yes. get into it. Yeah, no, uh, there's lots, like you said, lots of different places and they're all doing similar but different things. Like your big yeah. ones, your Apples, your Spotify's, they at this, uh, well, Apple specifically at this point doesn't have a paid promotion, but they do have promo submission requests that are right. for the browse carousel for the new and noteworthy for different categories, more editorial type categories, uh, which you can uh, submit to basically as, as often as you like. Spotify has something very similar, uh, but also has the Spotify ad studio where you can advertise within the app, which is not necessarily podcast specific, but you're getting in front of uh, free users in music and in and in podcast as well. Um, and then there's more banner placement style uh, companies with which is like your Overcast and Podcast Addict and Castbox, where you can where you can pay to be put into that carousel, either categorically or um, in terms of like just the main app. So you show up in as many places as possible. Um, being an app is one of the, I mean, as you probably know, is one of the highest conversion rates for an audience because you're finding a specific podcast listener at the point of discovery, when they go in and they are looking to do something, to listen to something new, they are looking for something. And if it's in a tech category and they're looking for a tech podcast, 
chances are good they're going to see your artwork, click on your show, and at least give it a sample. Um, and I say sample because that's what all advertising and promotion is, is we want, we're like the Costco lady down at the end of aisle seven, who's got the, the Triscuit crackers and peanut butter and is handing out a sample, hoping you buy the box. We're giving you the sample and knowing that we've created amazing content, you're going to come back and buy the box. You're going to keep going and listening to the rest of the podcast. Now we're, uh, great place to, find people as they are looking to discover content where their brain is on and ready to bring in new information that you have to provide to them. And, uh, and guaranteed you're going to find at least a handful of people that are going to come over and, and, and subscribe to you that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something where also when we're looking at a podcast app and we're listening, you may think, oh, you know, this is like too big for me or who knows who's running the show behind the scenes. And, but you know, honestly, there are ways to reach out to everybody. Like you said, even yeah. with Apple podcasts, they don't have paid, uh, they don't have paid promotion, but you always submit your podcast for promotion. So a lot of directories, I think all of them really want to hear from podcasters. It is really yeah. interactive. So that's a really important, a really important point. And I'll have the link here if anybody wants to explore in-app at Podbean. We definitely have that. Um, yeah. Additionally, I love what you said about, you know, that's where people are like ready to go. They're ready to find a show. Oh. And it, it made me think of Netflix. You know, when you log into Netflix and you're like, oh, I want to watch something. And, and you end up watching 10 minutes of trailers before you decide on anything. Yeah. <laughs> but you also find things that you wouldn't yeah. necessarily have found, right? Yeah. And so you have to think of it from that perspective for podcasters, right? If, if yeah. you're a podcaster, you want someone to find your show. Like when you're, you know, going on to Netflix or another streaming service, you know, and you're watching a show and you're, it's the end of the day and you're like, oh, I want to watch a movie, right? Yeah. You want your podcast to be that thing that pops up. Absolutely. So you do. It's yeah. definitely an achievable thing. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about it on the brand side. So on the in-app promotion side for Pacific mm -hmm. content, what does that look like for some of your clients? Uh, for in-app promotion, uh, it's yeah. usually part of our, our paid media campaign. So some of our clients, most of our clients do a paid media budget. Um, and we... As we're developing the show to find the audience, find out yeah. where the where our core audience lives, um, but then use that audience targeting uh, to then uh, bucket out their paid campaign. So we do a list of in-app uh, promos. Um, we do um, host read promos, feed drops. If the budget allows, we look into sort of custom segments or anything like that. Um, but in-app is one of the bigger drivers of uh, not only... Uh, downloads, but subscribers coming back because usually a, a an in-app promotion is based around who's clicked on it and who's clicked follow or subscribe to your show. Um, so that's how a lot of them sell. Um, I know Podbean's different, Spotify Ad Studio are a little bit different. We're looking at people coming and sampling. Um, but uh, yeah, it's part of our overall process is we want to get people into as many of those different podcasts and spread out some audience and find people where they are as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to break down a couple of things you mentioned in terms of building out that campaign for everybody out mm -hmm. there. Because um, feed drops, I mean, everybody's kind of, it's a yeah. little bit of a buzzword. So can you break that down for everybody here today? 
Sure. Yeah. A feed drop or an episode drop is where you are paying or swapping, again, for more of an indie audience, um, putting in uh, a full or cut down version of your episode as a new item into a promoting show's feed. So that's a bit of a mouthful, but you're putting an episode into somebody else's feed, usually attached with some sort of host read uh, promotion off the top explaining to that listener base why this episode is here because it's already different they would like to have a little bit of an anchor point to say uh look we really like this episode for reason xyz and we know you're gonna like it for those reasons so here give it a sample one of the we track everything at pacific content one of the highest conversions with a well-targeted show is coming off of a feed drop because you remove the unknown you you get them with that friend-to-friend -friend or pseudo-friend endorsement from the, from the host of the show, you get them a full sample of the podcast that you want them to listen to, and then they can make the decision as they're listening to that to search for your podcast and come follow you so they get the next one. But yeah, so it's functionally, you're putting an episode into somebody else's feed, uh, hoping that they enjoy it enough to come find you in the same podcast app that they're listening yeah, absolutely. And for everybody out there listening, it's it's something where I think it's also the value there is having a trusted voice introduce yes. your show, right? So it's saying like, hey, I know that you love my show. You're part of my community. You're part of this podcast and our you know audience and everything that we do. And I think that you're also really going to like this show. So I, I think it's it really lends a lot of gravitas in terms of that personal endorsement and word of mouth as well, um, because you're already listening to a show you like. So it's just one step further. And like you were saying, Russ, it's something where it can be a swap, it can be a favor, <laughs> or it can be paid placement as well. So that's definitely something to think about. And yeah. For everybody out there listening, Pacific really works with super big brands. So Russ, can you tell us about kind of some of the kinds of shows that you've worked with at Pacific and some of the brands that you guys work with as well? Because it's, I mean, it's really big work. Yeah, no, we, we've worked with brands from all sorts, but we make shows for in the tech space. Uh, we work with Red Hat, who has a, a very a wide slate of shows. They've got uh, from Command Line Heroes, uh, which is more of a historical look at different moments in tech. They've got uh, Compiler, which is a Q&A show for people who are starting their career or looking to level up their career in tech. We are just going to market next week as this is recorded with uh, Rocket Mortgage's new season of Homemade, which is nothing to do with mortgages, um, is um, an entirely editor or uh, an entire narrative show um, in which we look at people uh, from different walks of life and how they perceive home. What is their journey and that to get to the point that they are at now? Um, and we work with Headspace as more of a consultant group who are on the uh, on the meditation and and wellness side. Mm -hmm. um, going back, we've worked with Fro uh, Ford uh, for the show Bring Back Bronco, which was a, a 
for the, I can't remember which anniversary specifically, but an anniversary year of the Bronco, the Ford Bronco. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to do a historical look at, you know, where did the Bronco come? What are they, what is the company doing now to uh, re-envision or reimagine this car uh, or truck? That one's a little bit older now, but uh, just uh, yeah, the history amazing of, as the well. History the history of it, I think. It. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. And I think also, you know, the, the fact that podcasting lends itself to... I mean, it's interesting, right? Because you have... It's, it's twofold. You have brands telling stories, right? Specifically about products and the history of those products. And I mean... What's specifically about the Ford Bronco, like everybody knows someone who has a Bronco if you haven't had one, right? And then how long has that car been made and how was it made and how was it designed? And, you know, people really love the etymology of things that are part of our everyday life, you know, and the provenance of those things and the story behind it. So there's there's that side of branded podcast. And then there's also that halo effect um, where, you know, like you were saying with, I think, Rocket Mortgage, where, um, you know, it's, it's not about buying a house, right? Yeah, no, it's it's not about refinancing a mortgage, which wouldn't be as engaging as what they've done, but you're spending time for 20, 30, 40 minutes with with this brand. I mean, again, lower brand touch in terms of like infomercial to podcast, right? Like we are not throwing it in your face that this is what it is, but we're telling you a story and hopefully uh, you see that, you know, there is, there's value to this show that you're getting. And then rocket mortgage comes to mind the next time you do have to refinance your mortgage um, and kind of works that way for brands too. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that you guys measure everything, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. And for everybody out there, you can also measure all this stuff too. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, You know, the, the analytics of, things are pretty, pretty direct these days. But I wanted to ask you, you know, how, how do you guys measure the success of podcast discoverability? And for a lot of brands that are looking at podcasting, you know, from a top down perspective, right from a branded perspective, how do you measure the investment and return on investment? That's a good question. Um, a few years ago, I'd say th- th- that question comes up a lot less because people were still just figuring out podcasts and playing in the space, but it is one that is coming up more and more. The important thing to remember as you're building out the podcast is what the podcast's place is in your in your funnel. Um, podcast is a great way to engage with your audience. Um, in terms of how we see success for discoverability from a paid side, we use um, uh, tracking tools like Chartable or Pod Sites, uh, which are tracking mechanisms that allow you to see, you know, dollars in, downloads out. How much did we spend and how much did we get back? Um, that's success from that side. Success from how well the podcast is doing once people find it is uh, is audience retention. How much time are they spending with you? Um, inside of Apple Podcasts and in Spotify and in some other apps, they give you like how much of the episode are people listening to um, for uh for some sort of benchmark to kind of set that like for a a talking head style interview show would say probably like 70% is a good benchmark for how much of the total episode you're recording for a more narrative. Like that's going to push up to 80% um, as a good benchmark that you want to try and hit. And if you're not hitting that, like what is, 
what is the drawback? Where are the points that you can see those drop-offs? And in those tools, Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, Podcast Connect, and Spotify for podcasters, like they show you episode by episode like, where the skip points are, where the drop-off points, how many people started, how many people finished. Um, and you can see those curves. As more people discover, as more people sample, the curves start to get more extreme but that's not a bad thing. That's a normal thing in the podcast industry, whereas more people sample, not everybody's going to be your target audience. But as long as the the base, however many people finish, is rising at a similar rate, that's part of the metric for success as well, is, is, is how much people are spending time with you. So there's a time spent listening aspect um, and how long they're spending listening to you. And then how many times do they keep coming back? If you're releasing 10 episodes in a season, does the audience continue with you or does it peter off? Um, and yeah, we measure all of that from, from start to finish money in how much time in total your audience is spending listening to you because yeah, you're right. There are people looking for that big hero number of how many downloads did I get? Um, what's the total number of cumulative hours did I get? And I mean, that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it is not many brands can say they've consistently held hundreds, if not thousands of people's cum cumulative hours of attention that they've chosen to spend with you. Um, you're not going to get that from, from a radio campaign or a television campaign. You're going to get that from creating um, well-thought-out content for a specific audience that you're trying to engage with and, and spend time with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in terms of the budget, I'd love to kind of get an idea from you. I mean, I know that every podcast is different, right? And every audience that you're targeting is different. And for each show, and this goes across the board for every podcaster out there, every audience is going to be a little bit different, sometimes, you know, wildly different. But in terms of for brands out there that are looking to, you know, launch a podcast, apart from production, you know, what what kind of budgets are we looking at in terms of discoverability and that big launch phase? Um, well, the the discoverability phase is how much time do you have to spend to put into it? Um, there's the paid side. Uh, we we do paid campaigns from we've done as low as ten thousand dollars, which is is not a big. Honestly, not a big campaign. We're up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars and higher. Yeah. Um, so it depends what you have, what you're able to get for your company for this show. Um, but in terms of your owned internal and earned channels, it is uh, it is time spent. Like yeah. it is. We uh, the, the Pacific Content team is is more lays out what you need to do, what we can do, because we as Pacific Content and you as Podbean working with these companies don't have the keys to all of the tools that we necessarily need to activate and turn. Um, so, what part of your team uh, at the as the brand do you have to activate on your social media or get? the podcast into every newsletter or make sure that it appears on your website. Um, so there's a bit of a trickle out effect into this should or could become a part of your overall marketing strategy and marketing campaign, which that aspect of it, there isn't a direct budget associated with it. It's priority and time spent to make sure that this is do the best that you can to make sure that this is an effective piece in your marketing toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also, I mean, 
that's a huge aspect of it, right? If you're a company or a brand and you're looking to launch your podcast, it's important to make sure that internally everybody's on the same page. You guys are organized and synchronized in terms of your communication, in terms of the launch, in terms of the strategy around that push. I think that's a really big aspect. But also on the indie side, it, it also speaks to the strength of the fact that you can do it with less resources. Time is a resource. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, you might not have $100,000 to throw at your podcast, right. but you can pick away, you can schedule social posts, you can work ahead, you know, pick a weekend at the beginning of the month and schedule all of your social posts in, in a social media manager. Um, and then you are present through the month and you don't have to continually go in and do all of that. Um, it's thinking about, um, you know, where is your time best spent? Um, and utilizing, you know, going back to some of the measurement tools like uh, Chartable, for example, offers a free account that you can use a tool like Smart Links, which tracks people clicking on a link and hitting play. And then you can start to see, like, is Twitter working for me? Is Instagram working for me? And double down on the places that really are working and functional for you or tweak your strategy if it's not working and see if there's something better you can do. But so you're not just doing things because everybody else is doing them for the sake of doing them. Um, more knowledge is is always power. And it, when you're not working with endless budgets, um, you want to try and make sure that you are being as efficient with your time as possible. Otherwise, I mean, I've been there. It, uh, it can get overwhelming really, really quickly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things about working in podcasting is most of us started out as podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you also have kind of two main gigs right now, um, yeah. you know, specifically with uh, Pacific Content, but then also with Fable and Folly. So I want to hear a little bit about, you know, from that indie side in terms mm -hmm. of discoverability and what maybe some things are that independent podcasters can do or have access to in terms of making sure that their shows are discoverable as well. Yeah, no, a lot of the same... A lot of the same methodology is there. You remove the budget from a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. um, so as as we already yeah. mentioned, like you want to get onto a really good podcast that you've listened to for a long time. You really admire the host and what they're doing. There's these things called RSS feeds, and hidden in those RSS feeds are an email. <laughs> that you can use to contact. If it's not on the website, you can go track them down that way. But everybody has a publicly available email if they issue a podcast. Nothing hurts in sending an email to say, hey, this is what I love about your show. I would love to do a feed drop swap. Uh, and here is what my show is about and why I think our audiences are in alignment in some way, shape, or form. The worst they're going to say is no thank you. Or nothing at all. And if they come back and say, no, thank you, say, what about a promo swap? Step down. Start with the high ask and then move yeah. down a little bit <laughs> and you might get a big yes. <laughs> what I think you'll find is from the indie side, a lot of these bigger personalities or bigger shows that you're, you're trying to reach out to were in the same place you were five, right. seven, ten years ago. That's right. And needed to reach out to somebody bigger than them to get them to propel them to the next spot. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing how many people who are in a bigger spot than you will say, yeah, why not? Somebody did it for me. I'm going to do it for you. 
Don't worry about extra impressions. Put it in for a month. Like, just run it and we're done. I'm always astounded by the generosity of people in the podcast space from the independent side and and from the brand and paid side. Like, everybody... We're all fighting for the same audience. And it's not even really a fight. We're all looking to share the same audience because as the pie grows, like more people are finding podcasts every year, but it's still a small segment of the overall population of, uh, of America or of the yeah. world. Um, so the more we can spread each other around, what you'll find is that nobody, if they find a new show, unfollows the show that they came from. So we're not losing audience. We're just finding new audience. We're finding that audience and moving it around. So just right. because it's not they, an either or, it's a yes. It's and. not an either or. They're going to listen to your show and they're going to listen to the show that they came from because they enjoy yeah. it. They're not going to unfollow it. It's a, the following in and in most apps is just a, a straight line up because people don't unfollow shows it's always there to remind them to come back to it they might not listen for a, a couple of months but they'll still come back to you because they enjoyed your content um and there's that cycle of people as they work through new shows um, that's right always finding their way back to the ones that they listen to that got them into podcasting absolutely and i think that's something that you know we see you know from a from an analytics standpoint but then also you know on the listener side everybody's got those shows that you subscribe to and you're like oh i love the show but just not not today right or yep. not this yep. week or oh, i'm kind of off it for now but you'll come back and that's what's so Always. great about podcasting and and you know so many shows are evergreen their content is good forever right yeah. <laughs> it's not something like unless you know you're a news show like you said yeah. it's not something where your content's going to expire. So trust that the right listeners will find you when you create that good content. So that's a really important aspect as well. And um, yeah, you know, I think on the indie side, a lot of the stuff is so achievable. It's something where it really is about using time as a resource, right? Using networking. And, you know, I I have to say, I I really parallel your sentiment um, about people within the podcasting industry. Everybody's really open and available almost everyone, right, that you talk to is excited. We're still kind of in a period of everybody being excited. <laughs> so well we do we do it because we enjoy doing it. Exactly. Hopefully. <laughs> but you, you pick <laughs> you pick a show and you pick a topic because you either have some expertise in it or it's something that you enjoy. It's yeah. not because necessarily because you've been told you've got to create this show. Is most of them start just in somebody's basement or in office space. Like I live in this room all day creating and putting out um but there's a there's a passion behind it and the more people that they can share that passion with then it just continues and it's it's infectious and i love it yeah i think everybody feels that way where you know podcasting is just one of those things where you do it because you love it and i think what's great about what's coming out with a lot of organizations and companies that work with brands like pacific is that you know there's a group of people taking that love of podcasting and kind of that audio nerdness right? yeah. and and delivering it to brands in a way that brings companies and revenue and fresh energy into you know this space where we're all just so excited to listen to cool things and to tell stories. Yeah. So I think that that's a really important aspect as well. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, because we've talked about all the things that we should be doing, right? But I want to kind of pick your brain about maybe some things that we shouldn't be doing in terms of um, brands, but then also maybe indie podcasters. 
Um, what are some common mistakes when trying to increase podcast discoverability that you've seen? Not being clear on like that initial conversation, not being yeah. clear on who you're trying to talk to. Sometimes we, you know, in a, in a season debrief, if it didn't go mm-hmm. as well as we thought it would, like we take it back to who did we make this show for? for who did, what show did we actually create and who did we market it to? And if one of those, if even just one of those isn't in alignment, the marketability of that show drops because you're talking to the wrong audience. We had an example of uh, like Red Hat's compiler. Partway through the year last year, they changed who they wanted to be talking to. Um, they, they, the show was evolving and they were coming up with different ways to present the information that they wanted. So we switched target audiences partway through. Um, and what happens when you switch an audience is okay, you yeah. lose audience. You lose yeah. people because the, peop- the promise that was there before is now different or gone. Um, so you're going to lose audience before you can start to gain audience again. And that's what we saw with them is that, you know, the audience was was flat and then they made those changes and we lost audience, which is always a bit of a scare. Uh, but then as we we invested in in paid campaign and we changed strategy of where we're putting it out and how we're how we're communicating the promise of this show, it started to pick back up um, and is still still climbing to this day because of because that slight shift in in the type of people that they were trying to attract rather than just a larger tech interested audience someone who is in a startup kind of mode in their in their career path um and give them actionable and tangible things that they can use and do to find jobs and to elevate their skills it became much more resourceful tool for them to be able to go out um, and promote and find it's easier to find people where they are if you know who they are. And that was hugely beneficial. So yeah, one of the biggest mistakes that we find is just not being clear on either the promise of the podcast or who that promise is for. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And at Podbean, we call that your audience avatar, right? It's the, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of the avatar. On the wall. Right. Yeah. Who like do you create your content of, for? Of yeah. Jane or Johnny up on the wall. Like that's the person we're talking to. Let's keep right. that consistent. What uh, are their hobbies? Know. Where do they shop? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are they an early bird or a night owl? All those things. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's a really important aspect as well. Um, and in in terms of that target market, I also wonder because you know you are at that intersection of of you know Fable and Folly has I think yeah. eighty creators or over eighty creators and yeah. uh, Pacific you know obviously is one of the top branded podcasting companies. So on the indie side, what have you seen independent creators? maybe do or or not do that affects discoverability yeah most of the time when a new creator comes to us like we we host uh, our onboarding process is very involved and we make sure that they know exactly what they're doing and what they're getting out of it. But what part of that is a growth call of just what are the tools that we use, be it chartable or something else, and how they can utilize them. What a lot of people in the indie space do is they try and spread themselves way too thin. Yeah. Um, and they they post every single day on Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr and, 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 and yes. nothing's working because they are spread yeah. so thin that they don't have time to do any one 
properly. And they're all different animals. Like if you look at social media, it's different spaces. Like you have to communicate to those audiences very differently. And so different we give people them the- are on different platforms. We talk about this exactly. all the time, right? Maybe your audience is on Twitter and maybe they're on Instagram and maybe they're on LinkedIn, but they may not be on all of them. Exactly. Yeah. So figuring out utilizing some of these tools so that you can start to track who is engaging with your, not just engaging like a like or a retweet, but actually clicking through a link and hitting play on your show. You can't get that without the right tracking tools. Um, So we give them those tools. And then sure enough, a few weeks or a month or however long it is later, they start to look at that information and start to see that, okay, well, I can Uh, what I'm doing on Twitter is not working, but what I'm doing on Instagram is like blowing everything else out of the water. So let's double down our time. Let's invest more time over there and find that audience where they live. So what what they're doing is they're trying to do too much with too little. Um, So being able to know, knowing is half the battle, being able to know what's working so that you can invest your time the most efficiently because time, as much as it is the resource, it's a finite resource. And if you burn yourself out, you're not going to find anybody. Um, So yeah, definitely knowing where your audience is and how to measure that so that you can do the best job you can with the finite amount of time that you have. And don't, you don't have to be everywhere. Pick a place or two. And just say, that's where we are. And eventually you'll find that people drift to you, um, especially if there's nobody finding you in there. Anyways, like social media is often uh, a difficult discovery point to begin with. It's it's to remind people that you're there. Um, It's for the audience you have. Um, And then if you find one that is discover that is working for you on that discoverability point. Like double down on it because not only are you is your audience there, but they will continue to pull in more and share with them with their friends and or followers, um, and build your audience off of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point. Pod fade is real. Right? <laughs> That's yeah. the term we use for podcast burnout. It's yeah. it's a real thing that happens, and it's important to make sure that you're you know time is an incredible resource, especially for indie podcasters out there because you know, you don't have a big budget. You're not working like big brands, right? Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to, you know, launch paid campaigns and paid promotion and paid placement. Um, But that being said, you have time and you can use it to your advantage, but it's important to be strategic about it because you don't want to burn out. We've all seen those podcasts, you know, six episodes, 10 episodes, 20 episodes in, and uh, it's a heartbreak. So it's definitely important to make sure that you set yourself up for success on the front end. And I think also, you know, kind of what you spoke to about gearing your content toward your audience and and making sure, you know, everything is, whether it's, you know, your target audience and then your content and then who you're marketing to, that they're all aligned, right? Yeah. And when we say who you're marketing to, we don't necessarily mean you have to have a budget, but we no. mean, you know, who you're, who you're promoting to, right? Yeah. So I think that that's a really important aspect as well. Um, and and making sure that your content provides value to your audience is is the number one, right? Who are they and how can I give the value? And sometimes that value is like a story or it's entertainment, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> a it. A lot it's, of the time, yeah. It's entertainment. It's escapism. It's getting away. It's right. having somebody in your ears as you're mowing the lawn or doing right. the dishes and having exactly. just a, a friendly voice with you. Sometimes that's the benefit, right? Absolutely. But it's making sure that that there's value there 
And so being audience focused is incredibly important. And remembering, you know, when you're recording, when you're editing, who that target is, right? How you can make things for them. Because as podcasters, sometimes it can feel like, especially for indie podcasters, it's you and the mic and you're kind of in an insular bubble (laughs) and it's, and it it can feel very isolating or maybe like it's just, you know, a, a one person pursuit. But, you know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about here is based on your network and your community and creating things for an audience. And, you know, when you're creating a podcast, it's for an audience that you haven't reached out to yet. You don't know them yet. You're creating something for the void of who they, like they will show up. You know, like field of dreams. It. It's like, uh, you know, it's like joining joining a Facebook group that is similar. You got a sewing podcast. Go find all of the sewing groups that you can. Don't go in and scream, hey, I got a podcast. That's a quick way to turn everybody off to whatever you have to say. But get into that community. In, engage with and give benefit to that community. And it will come out naturally over time. That, oh, I also have a podcast or, oh, somebody will click on your profile and see that there's a link there. Like you will find those people and find ways naturally to have that conversation. I've seen many people go into groups and just start screaming that they have a podcast, listen to it. It, That never works. So if you want to find people in a space, treat them like people and then they'll more than likely come come follow you because you're adding to their experience in that group as well. Absolutely. And maybe you'll find guests there and maybe, you know, you'll, especially, you know, let's use your example for sewing. If you have a sewing podcast, you're probably into sewing. This is your, these are your people. So it's definitely something where it's important to make sure that that connection and that uh, ethos is there for the whole journey. So absolutely. Well, I have a couple more questions, Russ. Um, The first is, how does SEO play into podcast discoverability with the work that you do with brands and then on the independent side? Because we've seen some interesting stuff come in with podcast websites and show notes. So I'd love to hear your take on that as well. Yeah. um, I mean, SEO, as with everything on the internet, is important. Um, But how do you... it's, It's always an ongoing battle to try and figure out what the best way to structure your show, how the best way to structure your show notes. And part of it is, uh, you know, a lot of keyword type research, looking at topics that are relevant to not only your show, but to today's day, like what's happening in the news, like what are people searching for? There are lots of tools out there, uh, both paid and not paid for, uh, you know, brand and independent, um, as well as the research that companies like Pacific Content and Podbean can do for brands to find ways to make the the title, the description, um, the show transcript is a great way to kind of work in SEO, uh, making that publicly available. Integrating It's really important just in general to have a transcript. Sorry, just to jump in there. For accessibility purposes. For accessibility alone. Let alone discoverability. Yeah, Yeah, just to make sure everybody who wants to know what's going on in your podcast can i'm always sorry i just had to jump in there yeah transcripts are i we're such a big fan of transcripts at podbean you know obviously you can upload your transcript with your episode but we also have automatic transcript creation it's 20 cents a minute you click a button and it creates it for your episode that's it like there are no excuses anymore not to have a transcript for your episodes it's so important to make sure that you know on the accessibility side that people have access and that your your podcast is available to people with different 
abilities, right? And yeah. Yeah. overall for for keyword search. Sorry. <laughs> so no, don't don't be sorry. <laughs> it's very important for for many purposes. Yeah. SEO is in far as transcripts go, SEO is lowest lowest on the totem pole. Like making sure that people can get your content in the way that works for them yeah. um, is by far the best. Um, but yeah, so SEO. Who's a complete expert in SEO? Not that's not in my title. Uh, but yeah, we do you know keyword research. We do topic research, like yeah. finding. Um, in terms of like Google search versus Spotify or Apple podcast search work similarly in terms of um, description and episode and title algorithm. Yeah. And algorithm and all of that. Like if you're some, think about the way you search for a, a question on Google. Um, how, how much is, what is the mortgage rate? You know, what is current finance? What, uh, you know, <laughs> people don't search in full ideas. Uh, not to say that your description shouldn't be full ideas, but like finding ways to work in the You can include those questions and then answer questions. them. Yeah. yeah, you can include it. And then, and then an answer to it um, is also beneficial to put in there. Um, so thinking of the way that not only you use search search functions, but if you go to Google, like type in what is finance, and it will autofill a whole bunch of different things for you of what people in your specific, in either Canada or the United States, like what they're searching for and what is floating to the top. So you can use that as a kind of guideline as well. There are more advanced tools like you know, Google Ads has has different keyword filters and all of that that you can look into. Um, but definitely is becoming and has be been for a while um, a much more thought pro you know thought filled process in terms of structuring all your metadata, um, which is your show notes and and your episode titles to make sure that you're hitting some of those points so that if somebody's doesn't know the name of your podcast, but is searching for what's the best mortgage rate. Uh, and you, you do a mortgage rate focused podcast or, you know, what's the best sewing stitch that I can do for jeans. Like that's, that's what it, that's what it's going to come back. I don't sew. I don't know why I keep bringing up sewing, but it's just what we're talking about. Sometimes um, in Podbean, we talk about a podcast on fishing. I don't think anybody on our team fishes. It's okay. Excellent. Um, so yeah, keywords and relevant searches and all of that and thinking about how a, a listener who doesn't already know your podcast, how they might stumble across it, which is a, th a psychological thought process in and of itself. Um, but there are some tools out there that allow you to be able to um, more efficiently put in a lot of those keywords. And like important thing about descriptions is they can be as short or as long as you need. So put as much as you need to in there to help that discoverability point in the podcast app or in Google or wherever as as people are in that discovery mode. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's really great feedback. I think that that's really important. Um, and in terms of SEO, you know, people are going to find your podcast based on the content. So, you know, so far right now, Google can't search audio files. So make sure that your show notes reflect what your content says or, yeah. you know, what, what your content's about. So I think that that's a, a really important way for people to find your show. Um, and yeah. So, um, yeah. Any YouTube insight there as well? Cause that's a huge discoverability platform. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm pulling that one out of left field for you. Thanks. Yeah, YouTube. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> so YouTube is at a... YouTube is building a, a tool to which I don't know if it is working well for anybody on either side of the fence right now in terms of what YouTube music wants to be. It seems like they have given a tool for video creators to be able to release audio-only content and a tool that also for audio creators who now have to restructure how they put together their show to develop some sort of video presence where previously they might not have had the need for a video strategy. Um, I feel like over the next year, it's going to, I feel like it will settle and they'll figure out a point. Um, but right now, like if you, if you search in YouTube music, which uh, I believe is still only available in the U S that they actually have a lot of the podcasting functionality rolled into. Um, but if you search in there, it's an entirely different, ecosystem than apple podcast and spotify because it's based on playlists so any video creator can just turn their show into a podcast and now it's now it appears under the podcast setting so i think there's in terms of like the database that's behind it in terms of the discoverability that was the big tout behind it like yes there are the most users in the world on the internet using youtube but if the ecosystem is different finding your show in that is going to be a lot harder um having a strategy as they've it's been kind of snuck and leaked that you know they're working back towards that rss feed ingestion that will make it easier i think for audio first creators um, to at least have a presence but if you're looking to it's still separate like that's what I keep coming back to is it's still a separate place that you now have to, if we're looking at time efficiency, you have to either build your RSS feed or you have to build YouTube. What do you have time for? Yeah. Like there sink it very where it makes for, sense. For yeah. a lot of, for a lot of creators at this point. And I think it's important also to, to remember where you want to put your energy, right? People yeah. are listening to a podcast because they don't want to watch a video. They're listening yeah. to a podcast because they want to, wash the dishes or mow the lawn or go for a walk while listening to something. It's a, it's a secondary form of entertainment. So I think that that's really important. And, and YouTube is developing at a, at a really interesting rate. And I think everyone in the industry is kind of, you know, seeing what's possible in terms of discoverability yeah. and integration. Yeah. So it's definitely an exciting time. Well, Ross, it's just been such a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, you so much us. for having me. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to read our brief outro. And and just really quickly, you know, I think we've gone over so much. I just kind of want to recap a couple of really valuable things that you said um, in terms of discoverability. I mean, I think the first was, you know, time. Time is your resource. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that big brands are doing um, are accessible to indie podcasters. And on the brand side, we're talking about paid feed drops campaigns, in-app promotion. We're talking about uh, earned and owned media. So that's newsletters, employees within within your organization. That's also going to include social media. If your team's running that, liaise with whoever's making the podcast and make sure you, you're all on the same page. Um, I think there's just a lot of value there. Making sure that your show notes relay. I mean, that's something that is is really important as well. Um, making sure you're clear on your target audience and that your target audience, your content, 
and your marketing are all really aligned. I think that's that's really incredible. So Ross, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been such a pleasure. I'm going to read our brief outro and then we will wrap up today. So thank you everyone for joining us at Podcasting Smarter for our June live event, Podcast Discoverability, Boost Your Reach and Growing Your Audience with Russ Moore of Pacific Content as we spoke about how to increase your audience and grow your podcast. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Podcasting Smarter has live stream sessions like this one with top podcasters and experts. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Podcasting Smarter podcast. This is the first event in our Summer of Discoverability series where we're bringing you experts, best practices, and tips for how to grow your podcast, whether you're an independent podcaster, brand, or enterprise-level organization. If you join late or want to have another listen to this incredible conversation, you can replay this live stream on Podbean's YouTube channel and on the Podcasting Smarter podcast. Podcasting Smarter is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform and home to over 640,000 podcasts. To start your podcast, head over to podbean.com today. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for more podcasting tips, best practices in the upcoming months. We have some incredible events coming up for you in July and August. So stay tuned and happy podcasting, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this replay of our live event episode. If you have any questions about podcasting and want to get in touch with the Podbean team, reach out to us at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Happy podcasting.